Karen Smith and welcome back to Dietitian Cafe where we discuss the world of nutrition and dietetics. In this episode we'll be discussing the topic of working in the food industry as a dietitian. I'm delighted to be joined by registered dietitians Emily Stewart and Declan Henderson. Both Emily and Declan work for Appetito, a company who many of you have probably heard of. They manufacture and provide meals for a range of organisations such as hospitals, care homes, schools and nurseries. Appetito also own a popular meal delivery service, which again you may be familiar with, Wiltshire Farm Foods. Emily graduated as a dietitian back in 2013 and has since enjoyed several years in clinical practice, including working in a number of areas. She later moved into industry as a company dietitian for Appetito and Wiltshire Farm Foods. She's currently involved in a lot of training where she provides teaching for university students, internal colleagues and other professionals about the work that they do at Appetito and Wiltshire Farm Foods. Declan has also worked at Appetito. He joined the company um, after graduating from the University of Surrey in 2018. And most recently, he's been working as a category development manager for their specialist nutrition division. Declan takes extreme pride in managing their texture modified range across Wiltshire Farm Foods, care homes and healthcare, helping those with swallowing difficulties to dine with dignity. In this episode, we'll be talking about what it's like to actually work in the food industry as a dietitian. We'll chat to Emily and Declan about their roles and how they got into this particular area, exciting projects that they're involved with, and we'll hear their top tips for other dietitians and student dietitians who may wish to follow a similar career journey. I hope that you find this episode really useful and interesting. And without further ado, it's my great pleasure to welcome Emily and Declan to the podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for no having worries. us. Yeah, very happy to be here. So I, I'd like to begin by asking you both about um, what attracted you to the world of dietetics um, and particularly what led to you working at Aptito. So Declan, let's begin with you. For sure. So, I mean, I always sort of, grew up describing myself as a foodie which I'm sure many of us have done and I always wanted to sort of combine my passion for the sciences studying you know GCSEs A-levels with my passion for food uh, which really led to me discovering dietetics and ultimately going on to study it. In terms of sort of my career at Appetito so during my time in, in the NHS as a placement student while studying dietetics I saw the texture modified meals that Appetito produce in action at ward level, um, in care home lounges and things of that nature. And I saw what an impact they really do have. Um, I found the design of the meals really fascinating as well the first time that I saw them. So during my final year of study, I became pretty interested in the food industry as a career route. And I've also sort of always seen myself to have a little bit of commercial flair. So one of my final year lectures was actually a, a Wiltshire Farm Foods visit to the university in which we had a go at blending our own texture modified meals and recapping sort of the impacts that dysphagia has in the community. Uh, and it was at that point I knew I really wanted to come and work for Appetito. Um, and I mean, it, it might seem a bit idiosyncratic that I was a sort of 22 year old uh, that was bounding down the door at the end of university to work with puree food but it really has been a fantastic career step great thank you so much for sharing that and wonderful to hear how it was actually um, an encounter with the company whilst you were studying that led you to where you are today 
Now, earlier on in the script, we heard um, how Declan, you work as category development manager, and Emily, you're a company dietitian for Appetito. So Emily, I'm wondering if you can just explain a bit to our listeners about, about what the main differences are between your role and Declan's role. Yeah, sure. So um, Declan mentioned kind of his commercial flair and his interest in, in that area. Now, whilst as a company dietitian, I have to have an appreciation for the commercial impact that you know certain products or certain decisions may have. The focus of my role is, is not it's not commercial. Um, I my my role is very much focused on day to day dietetics. Um, so, for example, I do a lot of guiding the business on achieving certain nutrition targets for certain products relevant to the particular market that they're that they're launching in. Um, I produce quite a lot of educational literature. So whether that's internal or external, um, I also do training, as you mentioned in the intro. So I'll train university students or internal colleagues um, and also involved in kind of PR work. So producing literature, as I said, but also uh, writing publications like thought leadership style pieces on our areas of expertise. So I see a lot of common themes in what I would do as a dietitian in other areas in that in that sense, but it's just in a, in a different setting and it's not patient facing in the same way that I have done in my clinical career. But um, I would say they're kind of the, the main differences is really it's not the commercial focus and it's just um, yeah more of a day to day dietetics role, but in a in a different setting. Brilliant. Thank you for explaining that to us. And I know I, I just received my copy of the CN magazine and I saw your name in there. I know you're often publishing articles on behalf of your company in the magazine. Yeah, it's a, an area. Yeah, I feel really fortunate to, to get the opportunity to do that because it's, you know, they're areas that I consider my specialist areas. And um, it's great to do that, you know, alongside a PR team as well um, is really beneficial because they can support me on the writing process. And I'm really yeah learning a lot as part of that. So, yeah, it's really good benefit for me. And I'm going to ask Declan later in the programme about um, how you apply your dietetic skills that you learned during your degree to the um, role that you currently work in. Just before I, I go on to that Declan, can you tell our listeners what the main differences are between Appetito and Wiltshire Farm Foods? I think lots of dietitians and students will be familiar with them um, but perhaps we're not always aware where the crossover lies. Yeah for sure so Appetito is our, our overall um, company name it's a family-owned company that spans across uh, Germany the UK Spain Canada and even in the US um, and Appetito uh, services our, our hospitals our care homes our nurseries uh, it's our business to business side of the company and Appetito owns our UK consumer brand Wiltshire Farm Foods which is a meal delivery service for older adults in the community so effectively, Watch Farm Foods is a sort of like a sub-brand, if you will. Yes, and I remember when I was doing placement, often seeing the Wiltshire Farm Food brochures floating around in the dietetic department. Yeah, we've all seen them. <laughs> <laughs> so Declan, I'm also really keen to hear more about the graduate programme at Appetito. What does that actually entail? What, what did it look like when you were going through that programme? Yeah, for sure. So, so the, the programme is two years long and... I think to be to be fair, it provides a, a great challenge to ambitious young grads um, stepping out who want to work in the food industry. Uh, we have commercial uh, graduate programs, for example, working for me in specialist nutrition. Uh, I have a recent dietetics graduate, 
uh, and also uh, Emily will be taking on a dietetics graduate in September to focus more on sort of the nutrition strategy and and our product development. Um, I mean, you're given quite a lot of real responsibility from day one. You're given significant projects to work through, um, and you know, expected to deliver. And you have really good visibility to the senior management team. So I found that really useful learning from much more experienced members of staff uh, early on in my career to be quite quite helpful. Um, but th the main thing above all really is that we're all doing a very rewarding job, making a real difference to some of the most vulnerable people in society and uh, providing them with the nourishing food that they need. Um, in terms of the structure of the program, there are no sort of official rotations. However, movement across roles is is actively encouraged you know for, for example with myself i've held various positions over the last three years and found that really useful to get different insights in the business so i've done some time working on hc or healthcare professional marketing um, i've had had time working on product project management and now obviously managing uh specialist nutrition um so i mean of course I had some expertise in nutrition because of my background, but throughout the program, I've learned a lot about commerciality, customer research, you know, presentation skills, project management, all sorts of things really. Um, but above, above all the day in and day out role has so much variation. So it's been really engaging and, and fun throughout to have such variety. And I'm sure that many of the skills that you learned in your dietetic degree are cross-transferable to these different areas that you, you mentioned that you've worked in. Um, just going to Emily on this point, um, Declan's just talked about some of the typical duties that he's involved in. What does a typical day look like for a company dietitian at Appetito, Emily? Yeah, um, I really, really like this question. It really got me thinking about what does it look like because it's so varied um, because... I, at the moment, it's just myself. Declan mentioned uh, we've got a grad coming on in, in September, but in terms of company dietitian, it's just myself. So I do need to be available for all different areas, but it is really, really varied. But typically, I'll split my time between um, uh, sort of uh, smaller jobs like customer queries, which come from all areas. We might have uh, customer relation type queries that come through Wiltshire Farm Foods or Wiltshire Farm Food kind of like ask the dietitian queries that, that come in directly through the website to me or there may be the kind of business to business um, dietitians that we work with asking me queries about the food so I'll get a number of those throughout the week and they'll all need uh, dietetic input to answer them uh, and then I'll, I'll, I'll spend a good chunk working on kind of bigger, more strategic projects. So, for example, we've recently been working on um, reducing the carbon impact of our menus in healthcare settings. So that's something that, you know, has, 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 has been a big project for me. Um, I'll also do some promo. So just this morning, I've been recording content for Nutrition and Hydration Week, which has been a great opportunity to talk to other various people around our business and externally about how they manage nutrition and hydration in their settings and what, what their kind of top tips are. Um, or I might do a whole day on a teaching session, really. So it's, yeah, it's really super varied and it just really no, no two days are the same. <laughs> I'm sure that's reflective um, of a lot of dietitians and their typical yeah. roles. <laughs> in fact, it's Dietitians Week at the moment when we're recording this episode. So um, just off the cuff, uh, are you, either of you involved in any projects at Appetito this week to celebrate Dietitians Week? Um, 
Emily? I'm involved in a, in a project um, externally with the BDA, uh, not, not directly for Appetito. Um, we're really focused on Nutrition and Hydration Week at the moment, kind of getting prepared for that. I mean, certainly as our team grows, things like Dietitians Week, I'll be, I'll be sort of promoting a bit more. But um, I volunteer for the BDA on the Food Services Specialist Group Committee. And so I'm running a bit of a campaign on our Twitter at the moment just to share what a food service dietitian does. Um, so I'm involved in that, which I'm kind of doing in my spare time. Um, but yeah, definitely lots going on with uh, Dietitians Week and Nutritional Hydration Week. Um, and I hope that, yeah, in the future, as I say, when our, our team grows, we can start to do a lot more of that PR around these great events. Absolutely. And, and Declan, would you be able to share more with our listeners about what a typical day tends to look like for you in your role? Yeah, for sure. So again, with sort of echoing Emily's comments, no two days are really the same. And I think that's part of the, the beauty of being a, a dietitian in industry. Um, my role really entails the product management of over 120 texture modified meals. So I'm tasked with maintaining these ranges whilst also looking at all the future meals developments and innovations that will be running in this space um, in addition to that i work very closely with our sales and marketing teams on various projects um, aiming to grow the sales of these ranges uh, drive thought leadership in this space and constantly working with our product development team tasting our products looking at our quality to ensure that they're the best in the market so it's a a very hands-on role with sort of innovation at the heart um, and on a day-to-day -day basis that, you know, it could be anything from uh, being on, on sales calls with our, our uh, teams, with customers out in the market in CAMS, hospitals outside of obviously COVID times, um, spending time looking at our ranges, tasting quality and things of that nature. So it's a, it's definitely a fun job. <laughs> And how do you feel that you bring in your dietetic skills and knowledge that you learned during your training into your current role? So on a day-to-day -day basis, having knowledge of things like dysphagia, malnutrition, dementia, all of the conditions that relate to older adults is extremely helpful when communicating with our customers, uh, whether that's our consumers in, in uh, their own homes or if it's healthcare and care home staff or even healthcare professionals that use or recommend our meals, having insight into the nutritional challenges that end users will have across these settings really helps to drive our product development as well as our new market or new product innovation work. And above all, having that grounding as a dietitian gives myself, my department and our products the credibility Yes, and, and later on, and we're going to talk a bit about um, whether you have much interaction with other members of the MDT. So it'll be interesting to hear more about that in a second. Just going back to you, Emily, um, I'm really keen to hear more. You talked about adapting the menus for reducing carbon footprint. Have you seen any shifts in consumer behaviours when it comes to their nutrition and diet? For example, we know that there's a rise in plant-based eating at the moment. Um, sustainability and how have you reflected that within your product range at Appetito and Wiltshire Farm Foods? Yeah uh, that definitely leads on really well from the yeah the, the project that I mentioned around uh, decarbonizing menus and it's we have seen it yeah undeniably and it's not just in the healthcare environment um, so for example in our sort of local authority hot meals on wheels arm of the business um, you know you've got to remember these are these are 
you know, typically a lot older people. They're living in their in their homes, in their own homes still, but they are typically a much older age demographic. Um, and so you wouldn't necessarily expect that, that that age range is interested in veganism. But the 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 person that heads up that department, you know, he's certainly seen a shift in more requests for plant based meals. Um, and you know, I, I don't have the exact figures to hand, but certainly I can tell you, undeniably, the percentage of vegan meals has increased in the last. 12 to 24 months, just because the increased demand is there. So uh, definitely seen it in that market, particularly in schools and nurseries as well. You know, we've got quite a lot of uh, settings that we work with where they're completely vegetarian. Um, sometimes they might be pescatarian and have fish on the menu once a week, but there are increasing amount of settings out there that have just got a vegetarian menu, um, whether that's down to having more vegetarian children or culturally just to, to cover more bases. Um, or from a health and nutrition point of view, it's just becoming increasingly common. Um, also in Wiltshire Farm Foods, you know, we've developed a few new vegan meals recently um, and the appetite for it is just is just continuing to grow. And uh, I mentioned healthcare, but particularly in healthcare, there is, uh, yeah, we're, we're seeing uh, a, a higher demand for those vegan and plant-based options on the menu. Definitely. And Declan, I'm keen to hear from your category development perspective. Have there been any particular new meals that have been released recently that have caught your attention? Yeah, for sure. So I've, I've had the pleasure of launching um, a world first innovation in our, in our level five minced dishes. So for the first time, we've actually been able to shape the protein component of our level five meals. Um, as we do with our award-winning and sort of flagship level four puree meals, which is extremely exciting. Um, Moulding that protein component obviously is going to massively increase the visual appeal of the meal, uh, make it look as appetising as possible and, and provide enhanced dignity to our sort of minced customers. Um, in addition to this, we've launched three new puree dishes that are served with rice. Now, rice is something that is typically very challenging for uh our customers to blend um, due to the starch content and by having this new sort of rice component in our puree meals it's allowed us to bring out some really vibrant main courses um, the likes of sweet and sour chicken chicken tikka masala and that sort of thing which is is really nice to bring some variety and excitement to the range uh, and christmas 2020 just gone um, i briefed in and launched our first ever puree christmas dinner which is probably the thing I'm, I'm most proud of um, as it's truly something special for those living with swallowing difficulties because it allows them to take part in the festivities. Um, most recently, actually in May this year, uh, we launched three absolutely knockout level six desserts into our healthcare and care homes market. And this is the first venture for Appetito into, into level six desserts. So look out for the coconut and jam sponge because that's absolutely delicious. That sounds very good indeed. Um, and it's amazing probably working at the company to see the impact that your innovations are having on patient care. Um, Emily, this is not a question that we had in our script, but having read your CN article recently, um, you were writing alongside a lady that was a um, patient. Just wondering if you can, uh, for people that won't have read that article, can you summarize of how the um, product range helped to benefit her in terms of managing her condition? Yeah, so this was a lady who had um, experienced a large stroke at a relatively young age and unfortunately uh, went to develop something called locked-in syndrome. 
So uh, she, of course, she developed dysphagia as a result of this, um, which was quite chronic. She's uh, managing it now, but um, she, you know, it, it was quite chronic. You know, it went on for quite a long time before she got to the point now where she can manage it and eat some food orally. And of course, she had a peg during that time as well. Um, and the impact that our meals can have on somebody who's had an experience like that are really, really profound. And I, you know, it isn't just having an appealing looking meal in front of you that's recognizable. Um, it could be, you know, somebody who's experienced significant fatigue and isn't able to stand for long periods of time and prepare a meal. And we can't forget it isn't just preparing a meal like you and I might do at the end of the day. You know, there's so much more involved. Um, there's the safety element, there's the uh, dexterity issues around using sharp knives and putting things in a blender and getting them to the right, the right consistency. I actually spoke to this particular lady this morning about something else as well. And she was saying, you know, even having something very hot in the blender that then could potentially go on to scald you is a real risk. So to take those risks away from somebody and to be able to provide them with something that they can just pop in the oven or microwave is you know, potentially absolutely life-changing. And that's before you've even thought about the nutritional implication or the, um, you know, the impact on their quality of life of being able to sit down and enjoy a meal with people. Whereas previously, you know, whether somebody's meal by mouth or whether they don't have access to, to texture modified meals like that, it's profound, really, the potential impact that's, that that could have on somebody's complete well-being, not just their nutritional status is, um, yeah, is really quite significant. That leads on very nicely to my next question, which is what do you enjoy most about being a dietitian of Appetito? Um, absolutely love being a dietitian of Appetito. And I'm not I'm not just saying that because we're here discussing it on the podcast today. Um, I I love being a clinical dietitian. Um, you know, I really love the patient care. And I, you know, don't get me wrong, I do I do miss that, but I still see what I do as having a real impact um, because I am kind of uh, guiding on the development of the food that reaches so many different people. And it is food that is often developed for a therapeutic diet need. Um, and so to be able to, to guide on that and ensure that the nutrition is appropriate and impactful is really, really rewarding. So I love kind of having that impact, still having that impact, even though I'm not patient facing anymore. But really, as well as that, I just love the variety. You know, I get to do writing, as I've already covered. I get to work with, with you know, different teams I wouldn't necessarily be exposed to, like PR and marketing. I get to learn a bit about, you know, increase my commercial awareness. Um, I get to go to tastings all the time, which is great. Um, and yeah, I get to um, teach, which I love as well. So yeah, it's just the variety, really, to, to sum it up in one word, I think. Yeah, I was going to say the breadth of different areas that you're working in sounds fascinating. Um, Declan, what yeah. do you what do you enjoy most about your role at Appetito? I think not to copycat with Emily, but I think uh, yeah, the variation in the role is really ex exciting. You know, obviously, <laughs> variety is the spice of life. But um, beyond that, the ability to innovate, innovation is at the heart of everything we do in specialist nutrition. And that's something I find personally very exciting, you know, to be working on cutting edge things, stuff that may, maybe no one's ever done before um, is, is really, really cool, to be honest. And, um, you know, on a daily basis, knowing that thousands of people 
are eating our texture modified meals and they're getting safe, delicious food um, that provides them with the dignity they deserve, obviously is, is a, it's a good feeling to have. Um, and on top of that, obviously there's, there's a lot of fun to be had with being able to taste food a lot of the time <laughs> and uh, getting to uh, trial of the new meals is, is uh, a lot of fun. Absolutely. I'm keen to ask you later what your favourite meal is that Appetito makes, but we'll save that to the end. Um, I'm just keen, obviously you've both talked about how much you enjoy your jobs and the highs um, since you've been working at Appetito. Of course, we can't overlook COVID in the past year or year and a half and the impact that that's had on healthcare, um, as well as food industry, medical nutrition industry. So Emily, can you tell me a, a bit from your perspective as a company dietitian, what has the impact of COVID-19 been on the food industry? Has it affected Appetito in any way? Yeah, it's, it's affected us in varied but incredibly significant ways, depending on which area of the business you're talking about, really. So if we take our Wiltshire Farm food area of the business, for example, all of a sudden overnight, a really, really large proportion of the population was staying at home. Um, they weren't going to the supermarket. Um, and it was, of course, the older population who make up the vast majority of our customer base in that area anyway but then you add all of the people who maybe only eat Wiltshire Farm Foods once a week or a couple of times a month all of a sudden you know they were maybe shielding or, or choosing not to go out because of the, the risks with, with the pandemic so overnight yeah it, it just went incredibly busy um, which was uh, yeah was challenging in, in in lots of different ways but um also i think pushed us to to innovate a bit more and to think well how can we show these people what we're all about really and what our expertise is to to really help them stay with us and to to continue to to get the benefit of our meals um so that was one one area and then on healthcare it was a completely different story altogether um of course you know hospitals up and down the country were under extreme pressure but if we think of a typical COVID patient who might end up on the intensive care, they're probably going to spend a big chunk of their time not eating anything. So it's a different situation altogether. And um, we were supporting with, um, you know, things like uh, new uh, new menus at last minute for, for lots of different healthcare environments. But then for settings that maybe were a bulk of um, kind of elective surgeries and things, all of a sudden their numbers have gone down and maybe they've changed around their, you know, changed around their setting to account for more COVID patients. So it was really, you know, it was really a mixed bag, Harriet, like really varied across all different areas of the business. And it affected us because, you know, we're very much focused on going in and telling people what we do and showing people what we do. And we love to share the food. And all of a sudden we weren't able to do that. We weren't able to go to hospitals, weren't able to go to care homes to get people to taste our food because obviously they weren't they weren't letting people in so yeah it was it was incredibly challenging but varied very challenging indeed but great to hear how you have adapted as a company and obviously seen that increased demand for your products and services mm -hmm. um so emily talked about um the challenges surrounding sort of healthcare systems and also um, the need to innovate and really um, reiterate what Appetito offer. So Declan, I'm wondering, did that affect your role at all as category development manager? Because you talk a lot about innovation, but presumably you were, work were you working from home during that time and still having to try and innovate <laughs> with all your meals whilst not being in a team environment. How was yeah. that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, so obviously I referenced all of those 
uh, product launches that I was quite excited about. We actually had, I believe, a record year for specialist nutrition product launches in 2020. I think we launched 26 products, which is unprecedented for us. And considering the pandemic, it was a, a good effort by all. I think, yeah, working from home definitely made it more of a challenge. Um, and obviously we were able to visit site in, in you know rare circumstances to taste and sign off products and things but it's being being innovative on on physical products is is a challenge when you're obviously uh sat in your home office or, or whatever so yeah it was a big challenge i mean in terms of the question around the food industry i think covid19 obviously made the, the elderly population re- quite reliant on food delivery services and as such Wiltshire farm foods had a duty really to set up step up and support the older adults in our country and of course it was a big operational challenge but the customers were truly thankful for our dedication and service to them and of course we're grateful for their custom um various members of our team were drawn you know sort of left right and center to make it happen we all had to pitch in you know i myself was sent um to work in freezers i was sent to deliver meals to you know vulnerable people um but it was great to be part of making a real difference uh during the pandemic and you know have a crack at something new as well yeah you must be really proud of that work um i think it's easy to forget how we all felt at the beginning of the pandemic when you know food was running out on supermarket shelves we couldn't get to our elderly relatives and neighbors um so great to hear how you both adapted in your roles based on that experience um this is a question to you both what do you think the benefits are for dietitians such as yourselves working for a brand in the food industry like Appetito Emily what key skills do you think dietitians bring to Appetito yeah I think there are a number of, of, of key skills really obviously if you're working for a company like Appetito where we're serving um, quite specific groups of the population that clinical expertise is really invaluable to be honest um, Declan mentioned earlier having an appreciation and understanding of, of conditions like malnutrition and dysphagia and dementia um, and really that that spans across other areas as well I mentioned earlier you know development of products for food products for therapeutic diet needs and so it's really important to have an understanding of the of the condition so you can understand what the nutritional needs are and what you know what how, how the food could be beneficial to that so I think definitely that clinical expertise is is really core if you're working uh, with you know an unwell population um, also things like understanding nutrition and health claims I know typically we're not we're not trained as much as I think we should be in that area as, as dietitians, but just to have that understanding of where to go for credible information, um, who to, you know, who to turn to if you want to ask another professional, um, because we are dealing with lots of consumer information. We need to make sure that everything we're saying is, is, is right and legal. And so to have that understanding and that, um, I guess, that basis in, in good research skills is really useful um yeah when it comes to to nutrition and health claims and i think during dietetics degrees you know you stand up and do loads of presentations it becomes kind of second nature and if you're confident and able to do that then i think working for a company like appetito yeah that, that's a great skill to bring to a, to a job working in the food industry because you um you need to do a lot of that and it, it really helps to be confident and, and enjoy that 
Yes, and I remember when I was at university, all those sessions in the kitchen when you were learning how to adapt meals for different therapeutic needs and um, the communication training as well. Yeah. Um, so it's it's great to hear how you're utilising those skills in, in different ways. Um, yeah, so. no, absolutely. Declan, did you ha- want to add anything to that? I think having a dietitian in a food company, for example, is always going to upweight the importance of nutrition irrespective of what type of food product or company it is having that expert in the room to challenge on things such as nutrition health claims etc is always going to be a positive for both the company the industry and the end consumer i think it's really important you know as part of a commercial mdt let's say to have a clinician um, with expertise in that space is always going to add a a slightly different view and different take on things, which we all know how working with diverse groups can can be beneficial. So I think it's great to have that view on things in the room when when you know going about uh, food projects and things of that nature. Yeah, and Emily, earlier um, you talked about um, helping to make sure that the meals are nutritionally appropriate, and Declan, you just touched on that as well. Um, just want to go back to that point before we come to the end of the episode and ask you are there certain nutritional guidelines that you need to be meeting as a company when developing the meals particularly when you've got therapeutic needs at the heart of the the meal development process can you tell yeah. us a bit more yeah sure i mean and yeah the, the, the short answer is there there certainly are and um it won't be surprising for the listeners but it depends on what the market is and what you know what was the purpose of that development so for example if we're developing something to go into a hospital um so primarily a, a healthcare product then we're, there's a document uh, written by the bda which is the bda nutrition and hydration digest which um actually is being updated to the third edition at the moment and there's a working group which i'm actually in together to kind of update that so within that there's a set of nutrition targets um, so there'll be a target for your starter in a hospital a target for your main course and then within that there'll be targets for a nutritionally well patient and then obviously different targets for a nutritionally vulnerable patient where the energy and protein targets will be different so that's really a bit of a bible for dietitians working in food service um, and for any food manufacturers that provide food for the NHS. Um, and I actually touch on that and, and draw on that quite a lot for care home recommendations as well. And to be honest, there are there are some similarities and uh, they complement one another. And in other areas of the countries as well, sorry, other areas of the country, there are different guidelines. So Scotland and Wales, for example, and Northern Ireland have a different set of standards as well. So I try and use them all to complement one another. Uh, because you know when, when it comes to to that kind of guidance uh the more you can get is 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 the better really because some of them cover other areas of nutrition that others don't so yeah as i say they really complement each other and then uh for sort of like which farm food area of, of of the business we've got our own internal nutrition targets but then we also work externally with things like salt reduction targets that are set by public health england to make sure that we're adhering to those um, and then there's guidelines for early years settings as well. So any meals that we produce for children in, in nurseries, they would have a different set of targets. So um, it just depends really what, 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 the, uh, what the focus is. And in elderly care and malnutrition, are there presumably things like protein and energy are very much at the forefront of, of what yeah. you do. 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, there's set criteria for what we call an energy dense meal. Uh, some people might call it a higher energy meal and that would need to have a certain amount of calories. So just in as, a, as an example, a complete meal. So one that's got everything in there, your veg, carbs, protein, that would need to be at least 500 calories to, to uh, achieve that energy dense coding. Um, and uh, then overall, the menu planning side of it would need to achieve a certain amount of protein as well. So that would need to achieve 25 grams of protein, but that doesn't just need to come from the main meal. That can come from the start from the dessert as well, because uh, we'll be familiar with your hospital, typical kind of uh, juice or a soup at the beginning, then a main course, then a pudding. So we have to consider all of those components uh, in the, in the end targets, but yeah, energy and protein are yeah, really, really, really core cool when it comes to, nutritional targets for our development yeah the ones that dietitians are always talking about <laughs> yeah so um i just want to quickly ask you about wiltshire farm foods so dietitians may be familiar with wiltshire farm foods and the brochures like we mentioned that you tend to see around your department um are wiltshire farm foods um funded by patients themselves and if a health professional thinks that their patient may benefit from wiltshire farm foods what's the process that they should take to kind of set them up and establish them on that service yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, Watch Farm Foods will be patient-funded. Um, we have a, all manner of resources sort of available to healthcare professionals from our special diets guide, which you can clip into your penge. We have various brochures, um, including our core Watch Farm Foods brochure. We have our special diets guide. We have a, our softer foods brochure. And um, amongst all of that uh, sort of literature, you can pass on to uh, your 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 patients and uh, if necessary you can ring the phone number yourself and speak to one of our helpful uh, local teams and they can get our uh, our our meals sent out to your to your patients you know we often have um, very good introductory offers and things like that so uh, your patients can have a try if you deem they'll see benefit in using our service Brilliant. And it'd be really great if we could link in the show notes, perhaps, to where dietitians can go to find out more about both Appetito and Wiltshire Farm Foods. Absolutely. So we're just drawing to the end of our episode now, and I'd like to ask you a couple of quick fire questions. Um, so, Emily, let's start with you. What do you think has been one of your greatest achievements, either professionally or personally, over the last year? Over the last year? Yeah. OK, so I'm I'm. I'm really proud of my achievements in, in dietetics to date, just, just generally. But I think probably in the last year, I've been really proud of the work that I've been doing with the Food Services Specialist Group for the BDA. So I've been doing that as a volunteer alongside this role. And it's, yeah, don't get me wrong, it's completely complemented my role at Appetito. But it's just been really great to be involved with, um, you know, a bunch of great dietitians that, that work in food service dietetics. We're quite a quite a small group so um that's been really good and I'm really excited to kind of see where that that future where that future takes us and when will that get published uh, the the digest the new version of the digest that is going to be published in 2022 so later in 2022 and um yeah the BDA will be sharing about it and everything so. great perhaps we'll have you on the podcast again then to talk about it <laughs> so Declan what's your greatest achievement do you think personally or professionally um it's quite it's quite a story quite close to my heart but uh my 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 nan my grandma was rather uh well is rather unwell with uh late stage dementia and actually went through a period when she was in hospital required texture modified diet and went to visit her and she was actually 
eating um, one of the meals that I had launched um, in in the Southman Hospital, which was a very mo- a moment of uh, you know it's it's a hard it's a hard thing to describe, but yeah, that was a a, a proud moment, I guess. It was a yeah very interesting uh, experience. Wow, that's incredible! Seeing that firsthand, helping your relative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What was she eating out of interest? Can you remember what the meal was? It was a, I think it was one of our puree petite steak and chips, I believe. Oh, I see. Good choice. Mm. In fact, that leads me on to my next question. What is your favourite meal that Appetito makes? Is it indeed steak and chips? I should, I should probably, I've got to have two answers. I should probably have a favourite texture modified meal and then a favourite uh, regular texture meal. So I'll go with the, my favourite regular texture meal is the Wiltshire Farm Foods Chicken Korma. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, my favourite texture modified meal is probably our puree petite sweet and sour chicken with rice. Very nice. Is that one of the more new dishes that you mentioned yeah, earlier? Yeah, it's one of one yeah. of the new rice dishes. I'm a I'm a big fan of sweet and sour chicken. So great. And Emily, um, has Declan covered some of your favourite meals, or do you have do you have some different favourites? No, the different ones actually. Seeing as Deck had two, I'm going to have two as well. <laughs> um, I'm going to go for a, a classic one, which is our curried lamb potato and tomato, which has been oh, in the that's range. Good. It's been in the range forever, um, but it's, it's it's there for a good reason. It's really good, just like good level of spice. Uh, the tomato's like really delicious and the meat's really tender. So yeah, it's one of those ones that is probably on the menu of many, many care homes up and down the country. So love that one. Yeah. And then on the kind of plant-based side, because we've been talking about that a little bit, we've got a new vegan katsu curry, which was launched last year, which is tempeh. Um, so I love it because it, it tastes exactly like a katsu curry, but it delivers quite well nutritionally as well. It's energy dense. It's uh, higher in protein than um, a lot of our, you know, a lot of vegan and vegetarian options because uh, of the tempeh. So yeah, they're my two faves. Amazing. Can yeah, can yeah, can I give a special shout out to uh, the Appetito West Country cheddar cheese mashed potato? Uh, that is uh, may not be a meal, but it's it's my favourite side, and that is uh, that is fantastic. If you ever get the opportunity to try it, I'm sure you'll agree. Yeah. What about desserts? Neither of you have mentioned. Do you have a sweet tea? Sticky toffee pudding, surely. Sticky toffee pudding, yeah, definitely sticky toffee pudding. Um, never met anyone that doesn't like our sticky toffee pudding. Yeah, and then the chocolate. There's a there's a brand new into Watch Farm Foods, a chocolate and cherry brownie with vanilla cream. That is to die for. That is great. Yeah, it's like a really uh, creamy, like creme anglaise style custard. So mm. it's really good. I think hopefully hearing us talk about appetito food like this, it will help people rethink what they might think about hospital food. Is something yeah, I'm sure. quite quite passionate about. You know, it gets such a bad rep. And I think it's unfair. So, um, yeah. No, it's great to be challenging that, definitely. In fact, I forgot to ask you earlier in the episode, we'll finish up with this question. If there are any dietitians listening or student dietitians who are interested in going into the food industry or indeed working for Appetito, do either of you have any advice on um, how they can go about doing so? Perhaps Declan, you can talk about the graduate scheme and Emily, you can talk more broadly about dietitians wanting to transition from clinical into industry so Declan let's begin with you and hear more about getting into the grad scheme please yeah for sure I think you know just generally 
as an early careers dietitian, if you're looking to get into the industry, I think that network, network, and then network a bit more is really important to meet others out there and sort of forge your own path slash create your own luck in the industry. I mean, there's always opportunities out there if you're willing to go and seek it. Um, and in addition to this, I think, you know, with with the food industry and then actually quite specific to Appetito, I think that dietitians shouldn't always just look at highly specific roles within nutrition, but be open to marketing, PR, product development roles that relate to nutrition to help them get their foot in the door of the industry and then they can specialize um as as you sort of go on i mean i think there's need for more dietitians in the food industry as a whole and i think now that perhaps the degree isn't funded by the nhs there may be more industry placements available to give early careers individuals more work experience so it's an exciting time to be a dietetics graduate for sure do Appetito take student dietitians on as part of placements at the moment, do you know? Or is that something perhaps they'll look to do in the future, Emily? Yeah, I've actually just um, just done a virtual aid placement last week with a group of uh, dietetic master's students from University of Nottingham. Um, so it's the first time we've done it, but we did a, a session, like half a day session on uh, food service dietetics, dietetics and industry, you know, a bit of background on that. But then they had a, a specific task to complete as well, which was around the patient dining experience in, in, in hospitals. So I did that with a colleague who works in training and operations. So I'm hoping that we that we do that again. You know, the feedback was was quite good. Um, and so that would be part of my advice, really, for any students listening is it's always worth you know mentioning to the universities that. You know, there's this out there that's available. Uh, we all should do dysphagia awareness sessions uh, where Declan mentioned it earlier, where we come to universities and I've done it virtually in COVID times as well. And we talk about dysphagia and how texture modified food can, you know, can support that. So we do offer these sessions. Um, so certainly getting those into your into your university would be a starting point for just learning a bit more about about what's out there. Um, and really asking for catering exposure on any on any clinical placements as well. I appreciate that a lot of departments don't have a food service dietitian, but a lot do. So if that's not woven into the into the timetable, then it's it's certainly worth asking for a bit of exposure because it's really useful to you know get in that diet kitchen, try and understand a bit about menu planning, um, you know meal service on the wards and, and things like that. So yeah, just similar to to what Dex said really in terms of, of getting that exposure and um, yeah, not being shy to, to try and grab it for yourself if it's not offered to you. Yeah, and, and great to hear that you've taken on your first students. I know more university programmes are intending to make their placements um, more varied, perhaps with food industry placements, for example. Um, so do you have anything to add about dietitians who already qualify working clinically that want to transition into industry? Um, what would you yeah. recommend? Yeah, I mean, I think if, if you've got some clinical experience and a role comes up and, you know, you're interested in it, just just go for it. I mean, it, it's going to be the case for most dietitians that they won't have had much, if any, exposure to food services in, in, in their previous, you know, clinical career and, and maybe even their training. So it's always difficult, isn't it, when you're transitioning from 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 maybe a band five or, or band six and you want to take that leap to something that's band seven or equivalent. It's always going to be a challenge, but I know, you know, I know people switch specialities and go from a band six to a band seven into something completely new. 
just don't forget that you will have transferable skills and you don't necessarily need to immediately be an expert in that area. That's that's not what it's about. That's not what what is expected. You 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 know you have enough experience to develop that expertise as, as you go along. Thank you for for that advice. And would both of you be happy to perhaps share some contact details um, if there are indeed people listening that would like to know more about your first-hand experiences? Absolutely. Please drop us a line. Great. Yeah, we'll link, link to that in the show notes. So that's all we have time for today. Um, but I'd like to say a huge thank you to Emily and Declan for joining us in the Dietitian Cafe. Hope that you found it really fascinating hearing more about the important um, roles that dietitians can be involved in within the food industry. Um, thank you for listening today. And don't forget our next episode of Dietitian Cafe will be coming very soon. 